Welcome back, everybody, to Roto Curve Radio. I'm your host, Michael Rathburn, a.k.a. Rath. And we got lock and load tonight, week three, with Mike Taglier. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing fantastic, man. Um, yes, last week, I, I mean, this week I just wanted to be over in a way, um, just because there's been so many injuries that have taken place, and you know, it it's a shame because you know when injuries happen, it takes away skill, and it, it just it goes down a little bit to luck. But you know, hopefully this was like the the dark week, and we've got it out of the way already, and we can just ca- kind of move forward. Yeah, I felt had a had a Black Sunday feel to it. Uh, yeah. which was unfortunate. Not only did the major- a lot of people's season-long leagues, you know, t- rosters uh, get torn to shreds, but DFS-wise, you know, the cash game lineups last week um, maybe didn't go completely in the crapper. Uh, I know mine did, uh, for the most part, probably lost 80%. But, um, you know, we'll talk about where we went right, where we went wrong, maybe lessons learned, who you had to have last week in order to really cash in in cash games. Uh, you know, how does the Monday game not being in the slates, how does that impact us? Is it now okay to pair running backs and receivers and quarterbacks in cash because we have value and because one less game? Uh, talk to Mike about if he uses optimizers and how to use them effectively, especially for cash games. Uh, are there any trap plays this week? Cheap running backs, cheap quarterbacks that people are on that feel like trap plays. And then we'll get into the consensus picks. Before we get going, again, want to remind you guys, over at rotocurve.com, we do offer a weekly membership to our premium content for only $5. Promo code is RATH. You can come in. You can get all of our content absolutely free. The majority of our content is now behind a paywall. So basically, you have to pay to play in order to get our content. But again, great stuff from everybody at rotocurve.com. Uh, consensus rankings are are up there, which is a which is a good way to build cash lineups because not only do we we give you uh, consensus rankings by salary tiers, we don't just give you the top chalk and that's it. So you can actually make a lineup with our consensus rankings. We're gonna break down the ownership percentages. We're also going to have optimized lineups as well, depending on the kind of strategy that you want to use. And we do have a weekly two hundred and fifty dollar uh, members only, subscribers only free roll over on DraftKings. So, again, that's exclusive, small field, the chance for you to win back some money. Let's dig into week three uh, by looking back at week two. And, you know, the guy that we were on at quarterback was Eli Manning. But, again, we record on Thursday night. And not that it's an excuse for us by any stretch. But um, both of us did jump off Eli Manning later on. Uh, Some of it was weather concerns. And, you know, we had two other guys kind of in the till that we were felt completely comfortable going on. And that was Carson Palmer and Matthew Stafford. Yeah, no, on Palmer, for me, he ended up being my my highest owned cash game quarterback. And I mean, it just it just made sense. But for me, Eli Manning is a player who I expected to do well. I'm not going to make any excuse about that. And honestly, if, if Odell Beckham catches the one pass on the sideline, Eli Manning ends up with what was it almost 400 yards and a right, touchdown. Right, so it wouldn't even have been. Right. Exactly. It wouldn't have been an awful game. You know, we talked about Carson Palmer on the show. We definitely both liked him. Uh, Stafford did fine. Uh, Mariota did fine. So, I mean, it was just like it just so happened to be the one where everybody kind of got burned on. I don't think that there's any way you could have projected Eli Manning to not have a solid game against the Saints secondary, who was missing not only their number one corner, Delvin Bro, but P.J. Williams also suffered a concussion, a bad one in that game, where yeah. now they're down two of their top three cornerbacks, and uh, it's Shining a real shock. The, the shining guys off the street. 
Yeah, they are. And that's the thing is like, you know, one of the things with Beckham I wanted to talk about uh, because we obviously I was I was recommending Beckham everywhere last week. And, you know, I, 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 you know, part of it is just like, you know, he missed that play. But it's not just that talking about Odell Beckham and where that went wrong. The 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 Giants need to change how they're using him. They're not. They're not exploiting matchups like they did last year. I wanted to throw out a stat for you, Rath. So being in PFF, I have some access to numbers that not many people do. Um, but Odell Beckham last year played out of the slot 26% of the time. When he was playing in the slot, he averaged 3.03 yards per route run there, which was the highest in the NFL. There, there was barely anybody close to him like he dominates those matchups he only scored two touchdowns out of the slot but when he was there he dominated it he creates a mismatch in in 2016 they're not using him there he's only played six percent out of the slot that's belonged almost exclusively to sterling Shepard, which is why you've seen him have bigger games now i know we're going to talk about wide receivers but Odell Beckham this week they're saying that josh norman's going to shadow him and it, i mean we're not going to recommend odell beckham in DFS, we want to make sure that they start using him in that way. But I do think that the Giants start to wise up to this and start moving him around the formation a little bit more. Um, but that's part of the reason he didn't succeed last week. It, it doesn't even have to do with just that one catch that he missed on the sideline. I mean, and it wasn't even like he had an awful game. He, he caught, what, eight catches for 86 yards. So it wasn't right. a horrible PPR day. Uh, just not worth what we thought, you know, he would have turned out to be. Right. Uh, <clears throat> we were pretty good on the running backs. You know, we had CJ, we had D'Angelo, we had Yeldon. Um, you know, that was kind of the core that you wanted to build your teams around. That's why we weren't necessarily on Cam Newton, uh, especially on FanDuel, because the price was so high. We felt more comfortable with some of the lower price quarterbacks and going tough at running back and going, you know, higher, spending up higher at the running back position. Uh, Delaney Walker, and then you had Corey Coleman, who uh, had a big game. Uh, last week, which was a good call by you. Um, where we went wrong, we talked about Manning. Uh, Woodhead and Stewart were very hard pills to swallow. Um, yeah. Both players got hurt. Both were extremely cheap. Both looked like they were going to get 20 touches. When guys get hurt, it's tough. And and for the people, you know, there were some people out there trolling saying, well, you deserve it because you should have never taken injury-prone guys in cash. Well, I got to tell you, look at how many players got hurt in week two. There's no one that's injury-prone in the NFL. The NFL is a contact sport. Guys are going to get hurt whether they're injury-prone or have injuries in the past or not. So to, to troll somebody and say they should have never took Woodhead and Stewart in cash to me is just, you know, just being a dick. Uh, so, and the big wide receivers didn't come through. AJ Green was a guy that, you know, Brown obviously just had down weeks. Uh, so it was tough. It was tough to overcome that. Who did you have to have to win? Well, for the most part, when I, I, I downloaded some cash game lineup ownership numbers and really what it came down to is if you had Cam Newton, you probably cashed. Um, there was a couple other guys that were in there, uh, Palmer rivers, but those guys were so low owned, you know, for the most part, 60% of the quarterback ownership was either cam or Eli. And it was almost split 50, 50. Um, if you had Eli, you probably didn't cash. If you had, if you had cam, you absolutely did. Um, hindsight being what it is, we probably should have been on cam for DraftKings because the price was so good. Um, even though he was a top price quarterback, he was cheaper. He was 9K on FanDuel, and it's really hard to pay 9K. I was off cam because I was very fearful of game script. I was very fearful that um, – and that, that rumor was going around in Charlotte here the last week was, boy, if they get up 20-24-nothing, 
they're gonna they're gonna pull the dogs. And I was yeah. like, boy, you know, if they do that, <laughs> you know, I mean. No, yeah, I well, I mean, I do other shows, and I, I thought it was in this one, but it wasn't. It was a different one where we talked about Cam, and I said I liked Cam, but the problem is, is like you didn't have to spend up in order to get that production. I felt like Palmer and Manning should have delivered at their price, uh, and I and that's why I was all over Jonathan Stewart is because if for some reason that game script was positive and we all expected it to, that Jonathan Stewart would see at least you know at least fifteen to eighteen touches in a game where they should have been down. Half. Yeah, yeah, and, and if, so if he didn't get hurt. That probably is what would have happened. That is, you know, and that's, that's the thing is like you can't predict injuries. All you got to do is look at game script and you look what you look at what uh, what Fozzie Whitaker did in his replacement. You know, he went up 100 yards. So, I mean, the process was right. We cannot yep. predict injuries. So, you know, that one Ezekiel Elliott, we were both on. So, I mean, yeah. our running backs, yeah. we did pretty solid. Um, it just comes down to a couple wide receivers. Like it was just it was a weird week. Yeah, Coleman was a fine pick. Uh, Marvin Jones, I loved Marvin Jones, but looking at Emmanuel Sanders, like I didn't think Demarius Thomas was going yeah, to play. He was, he was injured. Yeah, coming into the yeah. week. Yeah. Yep. And that didn't turn out as we planned. So I mean, there's there's definitely some things being learned, and uh, um, but you know, Eli Manning not living up to what we thought that definitely it caused some pain. Travis Benjamin was a guy that you know, really looked more of a GPP play because we didn't necessarily know his role. Um, yeah. The price was nice. We just didn't know what his role was going to be and how everything was going to play out. Uh, winning lineups had Travis Benjamin. Winning lineups had LeGarrette Blunt. Um, I know I moved to LeGarrette Blunt late because of player props, and that's something that I've talked to you about a little bit. Um, there's a website called uh, Skybet. There's a couple websites. One of them is Skybet. Skybet does a pretty good job of player props, um, usually late Friday, early Saturday. Um, I don't – they're not gospel to me. They're just simply – like what I noticed, Blunt was like third or fourth on the yardage prop for rushers. Uh, very cheap, good matchup, heavy favorite, etc. I went to the well with Blunt on, on DraftKings uh, because of the price and because of the, pl- of the prop. It just was, was really, really nice. Um, so that one did pay out. Um, you know, Yeldon was a very popular flex play on DraftKings. Pretty much you had to have him in your flex in order to win. You had to avoid the the Woodhead-Stewart uh, debacle. Other guys that play, winning lineups had Will Fuller, Dennis Pitta, Delaney Walker, who we talked about, uh, Jesse James, and then a combination of the Pats, the Panthers, or the Ravens defense. Those were the, those were the players that were on most of the winning cash game lineups last week. So, you know, just a reflection, where did we go right, where did we go wrong, and what went right in week two, and then what did we learn moving forward? Um, you know, starting this week, uh, pretty much we're not going to talk about the Monday game because the majority of contests are going to be uh, Sunday only now, which is a little bit of a bummer, um, but it is what it is. So both sites are now mostly Sunday only uh, for the majority of their contests. And that brings up a question. Um, we have a Monday night game that's a juicy matchup with the Falcons and the Saints with a lot of fantasy goodness. Now that those players are out of the player pool, you know, we have limited options. Uh, it bre- it begs the question, do you start bending the rules and start looking at pairing quarterback with receiver, quarterback with running back, or even running back wide receiver if there's value in matchup? And really what we're talking about here, guys, is there's a sweet matchup this week, San Diego and Indianapolis. Injuries on both sides of the ball, two questionable defenses, Indianapolis for sure, San Diego middle of the pack, uh, and injuries causing, you know, injuries that now lead to value. Uh, 
you know, do we look at pairing Rivers Benjamin or do we look at Gordon Benjamin or just, you know, how does our lineup construction look with dealing with this San Diego Indianapolis game? What are your thoughts on that, Mike? Well, that's the thing is you have to kind of now with the Monday night game out of it, Thursday night game out of it. And then once bye weeks become involved, it's going to become more of a cluster. But we have to look at we have to look at. Ideally, when it comes to running backs, you want to look at a team that has a workhorse running back and that he doesn't cost that much money. So when you look at Rivers this week, I know you and I are both on him. We like him. There's no reason not to against a Colts defense that has just been hounded by injuries. Uh, We don't know if Vontae Davis is going to play. Um, So that's why for me, I don't know if he'd be my top cash. Um, but it, it really depends if Vontae Davis is out again. Yeah. Rivers probably moves up to the top of my list. Um, but for me in this game, I don't know how you pass on Melvin Gordon. Like his price is right. He's locked in for 18 touches. I know they signed Dexter McCluster, but, uh, and he'll go into that Woodhead role, but he's still brand new to the team. He's been there for a day now. Uh, it's going to take some time for him to get acclimated, you know, rivers him on the same page. Um, so Melvin Gordon's locked into a game where he's going to see 18 touches. And when you get 18 touches against the Colts defense, you, you're you're going to do well. Um, it just so happens that in this same game, you have Frank Gore on the other side, and he's another one of my favorite cheap options. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Gore. Am I a little too high on him, or do you like him as well? No, he. Um, we'll get into RBs. He just missed the cut. I had him on my original list. Uh, usually what I try to do, we try to come up with like five. I usually come up with like seven or eight and then I try to look in, I whittled down. He was on my original short list, but then he, he got dropped off for a couple of the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can completely see him in cash because the floor is there. He may not have upside and we don't really care about that, but yeah, the floor is there. I mean, 15 to 20 carries possibility of a rushing touchdown and maybe a couple of receptions with the doors, uh, with the, uh, Dante Moncrief injury. Yeah. Um, the other thing, you know, we talked, I opened up some questions. These are questions for you and then I'll reflect on them as well. You know, one of the things that's out there in the industry that everybody has right now is lineup optimizers, you know, projections, you click a button, it spits out a lineup. And I think lineup optimizers, I don't know if people use them the way that's most effective. I think you got to be very careful with like lineup optimizers are traditionally more cash gate, cash game based, lineups because they're just spitting out value in projections and they're not taking into any of the, you know, ownership percentages or stacking or, you know, correlation or anything like that. It's just giving you, you know, uh, the best optimized lineup that it can give based on the projections and the salary. Um, so my question to you is, do you use lineup optimizers? And if you don't tell me why, and if you do tell me how you use them. I don't use them so much in cash um, just because it. a lot of times, like you said, it'll be based on projections. So what it'll do, it'll stack your lineup in certain places and then it'll usually go with like a, you know, a cheap $3,000 option. Like, like let's say Terrence Williams or something like that. Jeremy Curley was a lineup optimizer uh, darling last week. Yeah. Burned everybody. Yeah. There's going to be, there's going to be guys like that every single week in the optimizer. So yeah, I mean, I'll look at them. I definitely look at them just to see, I mean, depending on what site, you know, uh, I know you guys have one PFF has one. I actually created my own Excel sheet so that I can use my own projections. But the the problem with that is that your projections are only going to take you so far. Like people ask me like, who do you have projected for more points? I'm like, well, that doesn't necessarily account for everything because there's risk involved in every single player 
but that's not built into the projection if that makes sense because there's no way to do that. Yeah, they're so, taking a median, a median. They're not looking at you know the 95 percentile, 75 percentile, you know that kind of thing. Exactly, and in cash games, you want safe lineups. So yep. rather than stacking everywhere and then taking some chances on some other guys, because as we saw last week, just having Jonathan Stewart get hurt literally can ruin your cash game lineup. Yep. So you can't you can't afford to take risk like that. So for me, in cash games, I tend to avoid them. I think they're they're better for tournament plays, like where you can kind of let it spit it out, x out a player that you're not really high on, recycle it, and kind of build your way that way. Um, where it'll, it'll start spitting out things, but me personally, I don't necessarily use them that much. Um, it, it it it's a preference thing, and that's the thing is I I know they help a lot of people set sure. multiple lineups, but yeah. I'm on I'm on the other side, um, but I do agree with you. I think there's a way to use them for GPP that's more effective. How I use it is I go in and I already have 20 or 25 guys that I'm on for the week. So I go in and I, I will black out everybody that I'm not going to even look at. And I'll have a court, like what I call my own cheat sheet of, you know, three quarterbacks, five running backs, six receivers, three tight ends, three kickers, three defense, etc. Um, and then based on that, I'll say, you know, hey, what does it give me? And I'll use a couple of different sources. What is it? What is it giving me back? Um, because these are my picks, not I'm not looking at the projections. I'm looking at. How do how do how do my picks play out with the lineup construction? And I'll start playing around with it. Um, do I go higher on my quarterback? How does that look for my other positions? Um, if I go high at wide receiver, you know, how do I need to put these pieces together? I'll run ten or fifteen lineups with different combinations to kind of get a feel for who are the guys that are always in that are always coming up. Who are the guys that? Um, you know, it just makes sense and I can look at more and then I get more of a consensus and then I make my lineup. So that's how I use it. Um, another question I brought up to you is, you know, there's been people that are recommending cheap quarterbacks in cash and they, they live and die on it. Um, some people have died on the vine, uh, whether it's Dak Prescott, whether it's uh, Josh McCown in cash. You got people that are touting Brian Hoyer, Ryan Tannehill in cash, and they're going to go back to the well every single week. Um you know, do you feel we'll talk into I know there's a cheap quarterback that you like this week and we'll talk about why. Uh, and I'm and I can understand why you like them. But in the in the in the meantime, why do we continually have people pushing cheap quarterbacks to the top of the top of the rankings in cash? And it's it's not paying off. Right. Well, that's the problem. You know, we just talked about that, about how one injury can ruin a cash game lineup. Now, the the, pro- the thing is, is when you take a quarterback, like let's say we even say a medium price quarterback like Matt Ryan. OK, I know I like Matt Ryan in week one. He panned out. So by paying a little bit more than, you know, Dak Prescott was in week one, I was able to get that high, high, the higher ceiling with the mid price quarterback, where if I have one player who underperform- underperforms a little bit, I make up for that with my quarterback. Whereas like if you're looking to take that approach where, oh, all I need is, you know, 15 points out of my quarterback, it's a little bit much for me because that basically means you have to hit on every other player in your lineup. You can't afford to have any misses. So, I, I mean, I, I understand the logic behind it. It's a late quarterback approach, but at some point there's value in every player and you have to take into account for upside and floor. So when we're talking about a floor, yeah, that's fine and dandy, but when I look for my quarterback, I also want upside built in. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that one. I'm looking, you know, kind of a rule of thumb for me is if it's not a running quarterback, I need to look at it and say, 
can this guy throw for 300 yards or 250 and two touchdowns? I got to get multiple touchdowns. I got to get 300 yards. I, I really need a guy that, you know, has he done it before? Has he consistently done it before? And, you know, obviously matchup is, is a key factor as well, but sometimes we put our faith in people that have great matchups and don't necessarily have a track record of producing results. Um, let's the, one of the new things I want to talk about is, um, trap plays, uh, because a lot of times, especially with all these injuries, um, people will automatically gravitate to the backup because their minimum salary and they're cheap and they automatically, you know, they, again, they pop up on the optimizer. They have the best cost per point, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that's a big mistake by newbies. I think, I think they just automatically gravitate and say, Oh wow, I can get this cheap guy in my lineup and it, uh, I can build the stars and scrubs stars and scrubs doesn't win in cash. Um, if you're winning in cash playing stars and scrubs, send me your lineups. I'd love to take a look at them. Uh, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm actually being serious because for me, again, it's about being risk averse. And I just don't see how that would pay off. Um, uh, you know, it's okay to have one guy in your lineup that's 3K if the situation warrants itself, like we saw with Spencer Ware week one. But when you're relying on the Jeremy Curleys of the world, it, it's going to be a hard It's going to be a hard fall. Um, mm-hmm. Any guys that stand out for you this week that are trap plays? Oh, any ones that stand out as traps? Um, honestly, it's tough because, like, you, we're at the point in the season where you really can't totally hate many players just because of the fact that we're looking at death charts that are nothing. Like, they just look pathetic. Um, you could look at Travis Benjamin as kind of a trap um, because – I know that people talked about him and like he's going to be a highly owned guy this week because he's cheap. But the reason I say it might be a little bit of a trap is because I don't think we actually know his role in this offense yet. Uh, in week one, he his average depth of target was two point six yards. Like that is that that is lower than any wide receiver in the NFL. And then you know he caught seven of seven targets. It was like okay, well you know we didn't think he had that role. And then in week two, you know once Keenan Allen was out his average at the target went up to almost 17 yards, which is among the highest in the NFL. So I'm not sure that we know what his role in this offense is. You know, uh, with Danny Woodhead out, how much do, how much does things change? Um, is Tyrell Williams going to be the, the Keenan Allen of this offense? And in Benjamin's the Malcolm Floyd, where it could be a bit of boomer bust. If, if it is in fact the boomer bust case, we don't want that in a cash game. So, I understand the upside he prevents, but for, or presents, but for me, I think Travis Benjamin is more of like a, a tournament play uh, at his current cost rather than a cash game. Sure. Uh, traps for me, I think that um, there's one game in particular in my backyard, Vikings-Panthers. I think uh, people are going to gravitate to Fozzie Whitaker, Cameron Artis-Payne, Matt Az- yeah. Asiata, and Jarek McKinnon. You know, any combination of those, I think, are going to be flex plays for a lot of people mm-hmm. or RB2s. And I think that's scary in cash because we don't know roles and two pretty good defenses, low total game, uh, game could be conservative. Um, and I think, I think those guys are traps because their salary is so cheap. People are automatically going to gravitate to them and say, well, if I get a little bit out of these guys, I just think that, you know, no matter what, you don't want running backs in cash that are splitting touches. That's just not what you want. Unless it's a situation where it's a Theo Riddick or a Danny Woodhead, you know, where that particular player just has a prominent role in the passing offense and it's one point PPR where they can make up the difference. 
So that would be my trap play of the week. Um, as far yeah. as recommendation goes, is stay away from those players. That's a good call. I, li- I like your calls there. Um, there's a lot of people all over those guys thinking there's going to be a lot of work. But honestly, if you're going to look for a cheap play like that, you might as well go Charles Sims. Yeah, and we're going to get into Mr. Sims because uh, he definitely is juicy this week. Let's start off with the uh, quarterback position. Let's start off with the two players that both you and I have a consensus agreement on. We talked about Phillip Rivers. We can dig into that a little bit further. Um, but Phillip Rivers... You know, again, the, I'm, I'm with you, Vontae. I talked about Vontae Davis on my Cover Corner um, podcast last night with Brian Witherspoon, who played uh, in the NFL. Um, that was one of the number one things that we talked about is the impact of Vontae Davis. And I told him, I said, look, Vontae is a, is a shutdown guy. And in DFS, if Vontae is out there and he's covering the wide receiver one, you're not playing that wide receiver one. So, um, you know, I just said, look, he's a guy that you avoid. And so his impact on, on the game from a DFS perspective is going to be huge. So if, you know, again, he's probably not going to be a hundred percent, maybe he doesn't go full go, but he's going to, if he's going to be out there, it's enough of an impact where I probably would move off a guy like Benjamin. I might still be on rivers because I feel they're just going to want to throw, uh, but there might be some other options as well. So rivers to me and to you is still one of our top plays because he goes up against the Indianapolis defense um it's inside it's in a dome it's a projected high total you know we, we just look for you know i mean look 600 yards passing in this game is probably the floor yeah the potential of getting up into the 900 range as a ceiling so there's going to be a lot of balls thrown around uh the other guy that we agree on from a consensus play is blake bortles and i'm going to i'm going to kind of pass the ball off to you and you let you open up on blake uh, Blake Bortles, I mean, he's been disappointing as an actual quarterback through the first couple weeks, but uh, we're talking about fantasy purposes. He's thrown for over 320 yards in each of his matchups so far, um, and this is arguably the softest defense that he's he's played thus far. They're going against Baltimore. This is a Baltimore team that stops the run extremely well. Uh, if you look at Isaiah Crowell last week and you just look at the box score, you're going to see a different story because it looks like 18 carries 133 yards and a touchdown. Mike, I thought you said they stopped the run well. Well, <laughs> that was on a 17 seven- for 40 on the others. <laughs> exactly. He had 17 carries. I think it was 48 yards on the other carries. So they stopped the run really well, held LaShawn McCoy to 58 yards in the in the week one. On top of that, you're looking at TJ Yeldon, who hasn't done much. He hasn't much, had much room to do anything. Right. And then Chris Ivory, who's still working back into game shape after what it is. I, I don't even think we ever learned what his, what his issue was health-wise, but it seems like he's on track to play, which is fine. Um, I'm not too concerned about him eating into Bortles' production, but for me, it's about uh, Bortles and Allen Robinson together uh, getting on the same page, lighting up the scoreboard this week. Uh, This is the week where Allen Robinson kind of goes off. You know, he's matched up against Jimmy Smith. Uh, Jimmy Smith uh, this past year graded out as one of our the worst quarterbacks in the NFL by PFF. Um, we had him we had him graded as 183rd out of 219 corners that actually played in 2015. So you know this is a it's a Baltimore Ravens defense that has allowed multiple touchdown passes in 11 of their last 18 games. So you know yeah, we're looking for the get, high real quick. Don't get caught up too much in the first two games of this Ravens defense. I know they were hurt last year. We got to take that into consideration, but they ran into a Bills team with really no Watkins and just a, a strange situation. Yeah. And they ran into a Cleveland Browns team with no quarterback half of the. You know, it, you got to look at the context of what they've done this year. Like Mike is saying, he's relying on statistics over the long term process. What played out last year? Jimmy Smith's grade 
has nothing to do with the fact that the rest of the team was injured because it's Jimmy Smith's performance. It's not what the Ravens ranked at overall mm-hmm. as a team. Right. So he's looking at Jimmy Smith's performance and he's saying, look, Allen Robinson's a top five wide receiver. He's got a top five matchup this week that, you know, he's Bortles guy pair, you know, that that's why I like him. Yeah. No, I mean, you look at what Corey Coleman was able to do this defense. And that's the thing is like Josh McCown last week was tearing this defense yes. up until yep. he actually got hurt 260 yards and two touchdowns. That was basically in the third quarter. He had that. So um, I, I like Jacksonville at home here. What I yep. find interesting is Jacksonville is a home underdog here um, by one total is 47. Uh, I think this is a juicy spot for the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars win. I think they put up 30 points. And that's why um, I'm looking at them. Now, I think on the other side, Flacco is going to throw as well. Game script is going to be both teams are going to go back and forth. So, again, this is the second game that I'm really on as far as Jacksonville, Baltimore. I like Baltimore more in uh, GPPs because if they get down, uh, you know, then we, we look at a different situation. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of this Jag secondary. I don't know about you, but, you know, they're going to they're they're exploited. It's young. It's not very good. They've been exploited. Um Let's talk about some of the other quarterbacks. Um, I'm on Andrew Luck, and I know Andrew Luck, you know, basically because the defense is so bad that he's got to throw, and they're going against a defense on the road. You know, again, I like Luck at home, much like I like Breeze at home. I like Hilton at home. You know, they, their numbers play out. They have great home road splits. Dor, um, I keep saying Dorsett. Moncrief is out. Dorsett's now going to step up to number two. Um, you know, Allen is still there. You know, you got other pieces like Doyle Gore. I just think more targets are going to go towards Hilton, Dorsett, Allen. Um, you know, does a guy like Chester Rogers get on the field? Who knows? But I just think that in this spot, luck is going to continue to throw. That's they're going to have to win 41 38. They just can't win any other way. Um, and I thought they played a very admirable game against the Broncos. I thought, you know, a lot of people thought they were going to go in there and get smoked. They had a shot to win the game. I thought they played very well. Um, I, I just think this is, you know, they're a desperate team. I think the Colts win this week. I think the Chargers are going to be a little bit high after last week going on the road. So I like the, I like the Colts to win, you know, 34-31, 34-30, 34-27, whatever you want to do. Um, so that's why I'm on Andrew Luck. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And like the thing is, T.Y. Hilton, a lot of people are worried about Jason Verrett. Uh, just know that T.Y. Hilton is played in the slot yeah, they move uh, in the in three wide receiver sets. He's almost always in the slot, which um, Jason Verrett hasn't shadowed into the slot. So he might see more of a Philip Dorsett than most people want. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be on Dorsett for that reason, and it, it might be a bit of a mistake. Um, I'm curious to see what they do with Hilton now that Moncrief's out for an extended period of time because Hilton wasn't always a slot guy for them. Um, but I know it's going to trickle down into everybody else and you know that we're going to talk about that as it goes on. So, uh, yeah, the defense is always going to have Andrew Luck throwing the ball 40 plus times. So that's always, that's always nice to have in your back pocket. Uh, guy that we mentioned earlier, um, your cheap quarterback of the week, uh, you're going, you're going on Dak Prescott was a guy that we faded week one and rightfully so, but you like this matchup here, um, this week. I really do. Uh, the Bears defense, Danny Trevathan's hurt. Uh, Lamar Houston is out for the year. Like we're talking about two of the the, the front seven that they paid a lot of money to bring yeah. in, and yeah. they changed they changed the look of the defense. But still, you know that 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 defense still allowed Brock Osweiler to throw for two touchdowns. Carson Wentz looked very comfortable against them. Um, the Bears defense. 
they haven't really done anything to improve the secondary. Kyle Fuller had arthroscopic knee surgery, uh, turned out to be nothing, but he's missed time. John Fox has said, we'll worry about players when they're actually on the field. Um, they don't have a shutdown corner. They don't have even anything close to that. They Tracy Porter, their, their third guy, their third yeah, guy is Bryce now, Callahan. Yep, Bryce Callahan, yep. he got hurt. Um, but Tracy Porter, he's mediocre at best. Right, right. Um, there's just so many reasons to like Dak Prescott this week. Uh, yeah. This For me, he, everybody was so high on this guy. He looked fine. Now he's got his feet wet in the NFL after a couple of division matchups. Now he's playing the Bears at home on yeah. Sunday night. Like The stage is set. Dak yeah. Prescott yeah. is going to have a fantastic game. And honestly, I I might just go down to his level this week because I do think the floor here is 250 yards and two touchdowns. Point. And he did rush last week. They, yeah. they loosened up the reins a little bit. They got him running. I think really what it came down to week one is they said, listen, dude, you can't get hurt. If you get hurt, we are we are effed. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, so I, I think they're still going to look. I think it's cal- going to be calculated runs, you know, a lot like what they did with Cam in the beginning, a lot like what they did with Russell Wilson. It's like, look, dude, third and six, you can't find anybody. You're going to run for a first down. You're getting out of bounds. You're getting down. If we're inside the if we're in the inside the ten inside the five, and it's third down and you can't find anybody and you have a running lane, you're gonna take it. But they're not gonna. I, I think they'd be crazy to call design runs. They cannot risk this guy getting hurt. So yeah. if he gets an opportunity to run three to five times a game, and he gets 15, 20, 30 yards, or for some crazy reason he breaks off and gets a big run or a touchdown, you know that's where the ceiling comes into play. But again, this is a guy who we saw the yards per attempt go up significantly last week. Again, that week one matchup against the Giants at home, they had to play ultra conservative, and they still only lost by a point because they were kicking field goals all day long. You know, And, and you know they could have easily won that game. They took yeah. the reins off. They beat the Redskins. Now they have a pretty good matchup against the Bears. I agree. I think they loosen it up a little bit. They open up the playbook. And I think Prescott, for me, I get why you would play him in cash. Um, I think he's super sneaky in GPP. I know we're not talking about GPPs on this show, but boy, no one's going to be. I mean, when I say no one's going to be on him, I mean, yeah, sharp players are probably going to gravitate towards him, Mm -hmm. but the ownership percentage is still going to be low. I mean, he's not going to be in the top five. Oh, yeah, the hype's faded. It's faded 100%. You could probably get him. Yeah, the bias in DFS is so huge that once everybody's darling and you don't pay off, um, they throw you away. Uh, the other guy that you like this week, and it's a little bit, a little bit scary, um, <laughs> because this is a guy who was was elite last year. You know, a lot of injuries. Um, you know, he had he had a down year, according to him. Um, this was a guy that was an automatic play at home. He had insane numbers at home for for a stretch that was incredible. Aaron Rodgers at home is now something that no one even considers at this point. Um, the wide receivers, you know, they're not getting open. Uh, Detroit's defense is banged up this week. And, uh, you know, yeah. I think this is a bad spot for the Lions. Um, coming off that game last week, I don't see Green Bay losing at home. Do uh-huh. they get more than 24 points? You know, I'll let you be the judge of that. I mean, I – I'm I'm basically asking you build me a case on why I'm taking Aaron Rodgers in cash. 
Uh, Ziggy Anza is going to be out for this game. Uh, he's the he's the he's the cog in that defense. Like he's what brings the pressure to the quarterback. And if you give Aaron Rodgers time, he'll carve you apart. On top of that, you know you look at the the first one and two opponents that the Detroit's had. Luck and Mariota they combined for a seventy percent completion rate. Um, and we're talking about a Detroit defense that was actually better last year. Rodgers, even though he had his probably his worst season as a, as a pro, uh, he averaged 300 yards and two touchdowns in those games. For me, Aaron Rodgers at home, like there's so much scrutiny. You never see Aaron Rodgers get rattled in the media. He did yesterday. He finally let it out. Uh, he actually gave Pro Football Focus a shout out in his little rant. Um, so it was it was kind of crazy, but he he's flustered. And I, I say think you guys, you guys think mm-hmm. I suck, but PFF mm-hmm. doesn't. No, no. Basically, he's like, he's like, I don't know what you guys are looking at. You guys don't know the play calls. I don't know if you're going the pro football focus route or what you're looking at. But all I care about is what Mike says and this and that. They've gotten to the point where the Packers they need a big fu game, like one two to everybody to say this is the Packers. Like in Detroit's the perfect opponent. It is because they typically struggle against them at Detroit. Yeah, Yeah. and they're favored. Like the thing is, at home in Green Bay, they're favored by eight points in this game too. So that's monster. Like so, Vegas knows something there too. Yep. No, it's a good point. Um, I don't know if I can get behind it in cash, but it certainly lends itself to tournaments. Um, and I think that's something very interesting. Uh, talk a little bit about, too, real quick on the Lions. Uh, no DeAndre Levy. Um, yeah, love it yeah, that's right. And, and Levy. Um, and then uh, did Van, Van Noy, is he out? Or I mean, they got some other injuries that, yeah. There's some other injuries on this Detroit Lions defense that are going to impact this game that maybe open it up for Green Bay. Look, man, go back and look. Before last year, Aaron Rodgers had some insane stretch where he had like 38 touchdowns and no interceptions at home. It was some Mm -hmm. insane number. I mean, it was just – I played Aaron Rodgers every single time at home in cash until last year. It just was an automatic 25 points. And does he get back to that this week? We'll find out. But I think Aaron Rodgers is a guy, again, like Prescott, I get why you have a cash game angle on them um, because you feel like the floor is there. But I think these guys are both uh, interesting tournament plays. Let's move over to the running back position. There's some guys that we absolutely like, much like last week. Um, The consensus guys that we like this week at the running back position are Melvin Gordon, and Charles Sims. Those are the two guys that both Mike and I like. Both are priced great. Melvin Gordon now with the with the Woodhead and Keenan Allen, and we see him getting the ball. He's got a good matchup against the Colts. Charles Sims now uh, the starting running back for Tampa Bay. Not only does he run, but he also is a great pass catching back. Mm-hmm. And um, Tampa Bay got the doors blown off from last week. Uh, I think you're going to see a heavy dosage of Sims this week. Not, I mean, obviously the price is incredible. Uh, and so that's why we like them. But, you know, I think there's some really nice, uh, you know, serious potential here uh, for them. They're coming back home against the Rams. I don't really have a lot of faith in a team like the Rams on the road. I like a, a team like Tampa is, gonna, you know, they won at Atlanta, which is a division rival. They go out to Arizona. They get the, you know, look, Jameis, Jameis against that defense. No, it's not going to happen. Not in Arizona. But now he gets a Rams defense that is a little bit more reputation than results, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no Janoris Jenkins. They've lost some other guys on defense. Uh, you know, obviously Aaron Donald is, is a stud. But yeah. I don't think that this Rams defense having to travel all the way east 
I don't think this is a good spot. I think Tampa bounces back, and I think Charles Sims is in line for a huge game. Yeah, Sims is game script proof. Like, whatever way this game goes, I don't care which way it goes, he's going to be a part of the game plan. Like, he he had value before Doug Martin even went down because he's using the passing game. He's probably, you know, a top five running back out of the backfield catching the ball. So even if, you know, they dedicate a lot of guy, like attention to Mike Evans there, Charles Sims is going to be there to work in the, the passing game. So um, if there's anything about me, like when it comes to cash games and strategy, I'm always looking for guys that are locked in for, yep. you know, 18 touches. It's the reason I like TJ Yeldon last week. He didn't even, that's the crazy part, is like TJ Yeldon didn't even play good. Like he looked yep. pretty bad actually in my eyes. Six um, catches for like 10 yards. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it was even more, yeah, it was even yeah, more than that. But yeah, he, yeah, it was crazy. But yeah, I think it was like eight catches for 11 yards or something so um but yeah yeldon was bad but the thing is is like volume equals points it doesn't even matter the fact that charles sims is talented or he's going against you know a rams defense it doesn't matter uh the volume is going to be there and that's why you gotta love him especially at his price yeah i think consensus for us gordon sims uh other guys that we're on uh mike's other top three you know out of the other three guys that he likes uh frank gore as more of a mid-tier and Mark Ingram and Devontae Freeman. Uh, now but they're on Monday night slate. They're on though, Monday so, night, yeah. so we're going to exclude them. But um, we talked about Frank Gore a little bit. Um, let's uh, the other guys that I'm on. I'm on Theo Riddick, uh, mainly on DraftKings one point PPR with a flex. I think Riddick is kind of a, a lock. And then I'm okay. You know, I like Demarco. Um, I think you talk about volume. Uh, he's going to get volume. And, you know, in this situation, uh, they had a tough matchup last week, but he gets the Oakland Raiders defense. Tennessee comes back home. Again, I like younger teams at home. The total in this game is 46 and a half. Um, I think that's interesting. Uh, you know, it is one of the higher totals of the week. Um, with two they brought teams, it down. Like, they brought right. that down. It, it wasn't 48. They brought that yeah, down. Yeah, I think 48 is a little high. You know, when you look at Tennessee, you don't automatically think offense. I think people are looking right. at Oakland Raider defense, how bad they've been. Um, but, again, I think that with, with the way things are going, you got to, you know, look at DeMarco and how many touches he's going to get. Uh, I just I just think that he's going to get a, a good workload, 6,300 on fan, uh, DraftKings and 7,700 on FanDuel. So I do like him more on DraftKings. Uh, so that's more of a play there for me. Uh, and I'd go back to the well with D'Angelo Williams this week. I know it's tough to pay the, the steep price, but when you look at the usage, uh, it's really hard to get away from him. I know they're on the road. I know they're at Philly. Um, you know, I do like Philadelphia's defense, but, uh, you know, so far they've been – you know, I, I just I look at the way they use D'Angelo. God, they don't use anybody else in the backfield. I mean, it's all and Pittsburgh's not going to get blown out. They're going to hang around. Um, so again, that's kind of why I'll still continue to go back to the well. I can swallow seventy five hundred on DraftKings. I can swallow eighty eight hundred on FanDuel uh, because I think there's value at the wide receiver position. There's not of elite guys that I'm really on. So I'm kind of gravitating to the top of the board with D'Angelo. Uh, at the running back spot for that reason. At the wide receiver position, there's a couple of guys that you and I have a consensus on. Uh, Stephon Diggs, uh, breakout game last week, gets the Carolina Panthers, uh, who secondary is suspect at this point. Um, 
you know, it certainly looks like Diggs is going to be a guy. He's just extremely underpriced. The breakout's not really uh, priced into what he did uh, last week. So Diggs is a guy that we're on, and he's basically probably going to be the number one chalk wide receiver this week. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to get away from him. Uh, we're both on Jarvis Landry, uh, and again, mid, mid-tier priced wide receiver. Uh, should get a lot of volume against the, a very weak Cleveland Browns secondary. And the other guy that we're on is uh, the top shelf wide receiver, again, uh, is Antonio Brown. Yeah, yeah. Antonio Brown is somebody that I'm I'm willing to pay for. Honestly, I don't know. I cannot envision a scenario where I don't have Antonio Brown in the lineup this week. Uh, you know, if most people will look at the matchup, and I know that on DraftKings it shows it. You know what the opponent ranks against that position and whatnot, and people are going to be like, okay, well, I mean, it's it's fine, but do I want to pay for him when you can get some of these other guys that we're talking about? The Eagles, the reason that they rank, I think it's, uh, I think they're sitting there as in the top 10 against fantasy yeah. wide receivers is because there's only been 34 targets. Like that yeah. is the lowest in the NFL. Like th- there's only been 34 targets thrown at wide receivers. You saw it with Alshon Jeffrey like, on, on prime time. Look what but, happened. Right. We talked about the context of games. So yeah. week one, they play the Cleveland Browns. Archie three gets hurt. Week two, they play the Chicago Bears and Jay Cutler gets hurt. You have to take into consideration the context of the statistics and don't just blindly look at it. Also, McKelvin out most likely again. Uh, And so the secondary is not going to be, you know, it's it's not going to be there. No, Nolan Carroll is allowing just under 30 yards per catch. And if you've watched the games, I've I've watched the games, like Corey Coleman, the the deep play he had, basically he was clueless. He lost the ball. Like the safety was there too, but... And the ball was in the air for like eight minutes too. (laughs) it was. And basically neither of them could find it because they're not good. Uh, Last week, Alshon Jeffrey should have had a monster week, but he only saw, I think it was six targets in that game. Uh, Antonio Brown's going to get peppered with targets and he's going to blow the roof off this week. The other other thing too is, is we talk about game script a lot, but also, you know, I talk about the word landscape and to me, you know, what you got to look at is when you look at, we look at Antonio Brown. Okay. So let's go, let's go DraftKings and let's look at wide receivers. Okay. Mm. Um, And we're going to look at the top guys and we know who the top guys are. The same guys every week. And all right, so Antonio Brown. So we got Odell Beckham that is going up against a Washington secondary who may or may not have Josh Norman shadowing him. Yeah, they uh, said that he's going to shadow him. Yeah, DeAndre, they did say. We lose DeAndre Thursday night. A.J. Green's got Denver. No thank you. Des Bryant, We talk, you talked about him, you know, that potential matchup. Alshon Jeffrey has no quarterback. Uh, and he missed practice Hoyer, today. Right, right. Um, you know, um, you know, Amari, now we're dropping down to Amari Cooper, Allen Robinson, who you talked about. It's understandable why you would like Allen Robinson because, mm-hmm. and, and no, no Julio, no Brandon cooks again, cause we're talking about Sunday only. So you have to gravitate to the top of the board because that's the guy that's going to give you the lock game There's you know, there's just no, not many options at the top. Uh, there's a lot of options in the middle, but you don't you don't build winning cash game lineups at wide receiver taking a bunch of guys that are 6k. You have to have a stud. And if you can get two, even better. But this is the week where you're going to have one stud. The stud that you want is Antonio Brown. That's why we're recommending him. And look, if you go with our consensus, which is Antonio Brown, Stefan Diggs, Jarvis Landry, you're going to be able to build a lineup around those three guys and feel pretty confident. Yeah, I like I like Larry Fitzgerald too. I just want to throw yep. that in there because Fitzgerald yep. he's in a fantastic spot against the Bills. Nickel Roby is their slot corner. Yep. 
and he's been abused. Um, their entire secondary has been abused, but over the middle of the field, they've suffered a lot of injuries, and Roby cannot hang with Fitzgerald, um, and he's a, he's a little bit cheaper, so he's a, he's a good play. I don't mind Michael Crabtree this week. Um, you know, he gets a pretty no. good matchup, so I, I think Crabtree is a guy that in cash, you know, I'm looking at as uh, – you know, they're, who they're playing into, playing against. He's going to get Parrish Cox, most likely, who's one of the worst cornerbacks in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, if Oakland's defense is as bad as it's been, you know, maybe the way that plays out is Crabtree gets a huge percentage of targets. So that's a guy I don't mind having. Again, if I don't go with the consensus, you know, Crabtree's another option. Look, he could be an option in your flex uh, if you're playing on DraftKings. Um, I, I don't mind Travis Benjamin, but he's more on the lower side of my rankings. And I threw in T.Y. Hilton as well because at his price, with the amount of targets that he's going to get in this game, I still think he's somebody that you know we can look at. Tight end position, we're both on again Delaney Walker this week, and we're both on Dwayne Allen. Uh, Delaney because you know he's really the focal point of the offense, and you know you got to like the spot going against the Oakland Raiders uh, defense, who hasn't been able to stop anybody. Uh, Dwayne Allen with the with the Moncrief injury, you know now everybody kind of is is up a level as far as targets go and you know again we think that game is going to be obviously extremely high scoring uh you're on jordan reed and i can understand why um because again you know gronk isn't really in play uh so why don't you give me an angle on jordan reed other than the fact that he's you know the number one price tight end well he's been being used he's one of the only two tight ends that has at least 17 targets and at least 12 receptions uh it's him and greg olson so you know you look at olson and the fact that he scored and people are like yeah i should have seen that one coming jordan reed's kind of on that level for me this week uh he's got a fantastic matchup against the giants uh you look at the giants you've seen what jason witten did in week one he racked up i think it was a uh, was it nine catches that he had against them um and then you know last week kobe fleener saw eight targets but he didn't really do anything with them but i mean again we're talking about Kobe Fleener, the guy who has literally wrecked my dreams. Um, but uh, no, we don't have to worry about what that Jordan Reed that, that it will be there. Deshaun Jackson's nicked up. They don't even know if he's going to play. Uh, we have Josh Doxson, a guy who's he's only playing a limited amount of snaps right now. Uh, there's there's so many things around this game that that tell you over the middle of the field. That's where the Giants are most susceptible. And I would, I, if you're the Redskins, you're attacking, attacking. And this is a week yeah, where you're not going scoring. at their line and you're not going at their corners. So this exactly. is a definite Jordan Reed game. And look, this is a desperate Redskins team that is desperate for a win. Uh, would not shock me if the Redskins go into New York and put a, put up a big number. I don't, I know no one else is expecting it, but in the NFL, when teams are desperate and they're on the road and they're playing a division rival, that's usually when they come up big. And, uh, you know, a lot of talk about Cousins this week in the press. Um, This team is still a pretty good offense. Uh, I think the Giants could be a little bit flat here. Uh, You know, just reading their plus clippings, they're 2-0. They've won two pretty close games. But it wouldn't shock me if the Redskins come in and win this game, say 27-24, that type of game. Mm -hmm. Um, So I get the read play. Uh, Eric Ebron is a guy that you're on. And I'm on I'm on Dennis Pitta. I know that's a chalk play. I know a lot of people are on him, but at his price and his usage in cash, it's it's. Look, if you're spending up at quarterback or running back, and you need a little bit, and you're going with our core three consensus at wide receiver, if you need some salary relief, Pitta is probably the guy that you're going to want to lean on. I know you like Eric Ebron this week. 
Yeah, Ebron's a fine play. Uh, we talked about why I like the Packers and why I think they're going to put up a ton of points. Uh, Ebron is one of the guys that's over the middle of the field. Like, it, it's hard not to like a lot of these guys from the Lions because you look at the running game. Like, what are they going to be able to do? Are they going to run the ball 15 times a game? Like, it's hard to envision them running the ball more than like 15 times a game. Um, so when you when you add that up and you know you average out 65 plays per game. We're talking about a lot of attempts for Matthew Stafford. Um, and, you know, that's ultimately what the tight end position comes down to. I tweeted out earlier this week that, you know, just to know where we are in the tight end landscape this year, Vance McDonald has three catches. He's the number two fantasy yeah. tight end. Yeah, it's it's with no Gronk. Uh, it, it certainly has is, is been uh, just a, a, a mess. <laughs> it's been a puddle, you know, just a mess at the tight end position. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's, it does line up for a big week from Reed. Um, I think the Redskins are going to be super sneaky in uh, GPPs. I think Cousins, Reed, uh, and then depending on what happens at the wide receiver position, I think I might just go Cousins, Reed, and just see what happens. Um, so kicker and defense are last. Um, let's go defense. Uh, I'll handle kickers. I've got an affinity for kickers. I've got a strategy. <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. But, you know, it seems like there's there's consensus on defenses this week. I mean – just just looking at what other guys are doing and seeing look you know Seahawks against the Niners um you know whenever you know I know the Seahawks right now don't look good but the Niners aren't good and so you know that's a situation where look if I get Seattle at home I'm almost always going to take them as long as they're mm-hmm. going up against a mediocre team if I get Seattle minus 7 at home I'm probably taking them uh, or higher, um, you know, that, that's just the way I'm doing it because their home road splits have been so significant in the San Francisco situation. It, it could get pretty ugly. Um, a lot of people are on the dolphins because they're going against the Browns and they're affordably priced. Uh, I like the Bengals at home going against yeah. Denver. I think that that's a bad spot for Denver. I think Cincinnati is going to bounce back from that game last week. Look, they kind of held the Steelers offense in check. And there's something to be said for that. So I think the Bengals are in a really good spot. I think they could get to Simeon. I think uh, I'm certainly fading CJ this week. I'm fading everybody on Denver. So I think the Bengals are pretty pretty well-priced in a pretty good spot at home. Again, three home teams, good prices, good matchups. Anybody else that you're looking at in cash on D? Honestly, I think that those were fantastic calls right there. Um, I wouldn't have changed much of anything. And honestly, I was having issues getting into FanDuel because of my location earlier. Um, usually I could do it with my phone. I don't know if this update has oh, changed that's anything. Right. You're so that's Arizona. why I, could, yeah, yeah, I okay. couldn't see the kickers um, for that. But the defenses, I'm right there with you. Uh, the Bengals would be my, probably my, well, the Seahawks. But if you can't fit the Seahawks in, the Bengals are cheaper than the Dolphins, I want to say. Um, and then if, you, if you're looking for like bottom of the barrel, I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say this, but the Bucks are somebody that I might look to um, yeah. just, just because, you know, against the Rams, the Rams haven't been able to generate much on offense at all. Uh, if there's one thing that Tampa Bay does well, it's stop the run. Right. So if they take away the one thing that the Rams do well, but honestly, I mean, with the with the players that we came up with this week, I don't think that there's really a need that you need to dip down that low. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, the the Bucks are five minus five and a half with a total of 42. That's something I'm always going to look at. I look at heaviest favorite, lowest total at home, and I'm getting value. Um, so, you know, Tampa is interesting. And Dallas, minus seven at home against the against the Bears with Brian Hoyer. Total is 44 and a half. So, 
I think if, if you just, for whatever reason, are not able to get on those core three that we talked about, I think Tampa and Dallas are two teams that you want to look at. Again, I have a system. Uh, I'm looking at you know home favorites, low totals, good price against bad quarterback play. Brian Hoyer and Case Keenum would fit the bill there. So, again, you can get a mediocre defense and a great matchup, and that really kind of plays out. Uh, from a kicker perspective, this is my strategy, guys. I look at the kickers who are 4,500 bucks. That's it. I look at guys who are 4,500 that are at home, particularly, uh, and that are favored. And the guys that I'm looking at this week is uh, Lambo. You know, he's on the road, but it's a small total. It's indoors, a small side. It's two and a half. Uh, I like Lambo. Uh, you know, just because, uh, again, I think there's going to be a lot of points in that game going back and forth, tightly knitted game, high total, uh, again, 4,500 bucks indoors dome that trumps for me. Uh, I don't love Frank's from the dolphins. I don't think he's a very good kicker, but again, he's minimum salary. They're minus nine and a half. I know the total is only 42, but, uh, again, he's minimum salary at home against a bad team, and they're going to have opportunities to score against a really bad quarterback. Look, they're going to have field position. And really what I look at, too, with kicker, much like defense, that's a lot of times why we will pair kicker and defense, is if you think a team is going to win the field position battle, they're going to be in range to kick field goals, and they're just going to kick them because they're going to take points, especially mid mediocre teams or mid-level teams like the Dolphins, like the Chargers. You know, they're going to take points when they can get them. They're not. They're not going to be the New England Patriots going for it on fourth and three with Bill Belichick. It's just not going to happen. Um, the other kicker that I like this week is Nugent. Again, close game, low total. Uh, he's at home. Again, they're going to take points when they can get them in this game. Wouldn't shock me if he gets four field goals. Uh, and again, you can go Franks and Miami D, or you can go Nugent and uh, Bengals D if you want to pair up your kicker and your defense this week in cash. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for the show tonight, guys. Uh, went a little bit longer this week because we wanted to get in some more game theory, uh, reflective and things like that. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. Hopefully you guys win week three. Uh, again, head over to rotocurve.com, promo code RATH, get a $5 weekly membership, get access to the $250 free roll, get all our premium content where most of it now is behind a paywall, so you have to pay to play. Uh, Mike, I want to thank you again. Let's rock and roll. Let's lock and load for week three. What do you say? Hell yeah. No more injuries. That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> there can't be any more. <laughs> all right, brother. Thanks again. As always, my favorite one hour of the week, spending my time with you. I enjoy and uh, best of luck week three. Thanks, Mike.